0: Welcome to More Than Amuse Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week with More Than Amuse. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. And we're so excited to have you listening. Before we get started
1: in this episode, we are talking about Beatrix Potter. Mm -hmm. Um, A few things that we're going to talk about is her early life, um, raising fun little animals in her schoolhouse, her obsession with fungi and illustrating different mushrooms around her yard, her parents' uh, involvement in multiple different engagements and their refusal of the relationships that she had, her publishing of her famous book peter rabbit and later on in life her sheep farming that was award-winning
0: and it's our first episode of 2021 so we are super excited yep so hope you enjoy it and enjoy the episode Hey everybody, we just wanted to take a quick little break and remind you that we have a Patreon that you can check out. We do, and we're super excited about a lot of the things that we offer.
1: Um, We have a newsletter that will be coming out every month that you'll get. um, If you only want to get the newsletter, we have that option as well. And we'll be talking about different things, sharing personal stories from our life, about different aspects of being a woman in the arts so definitely go check it out for that and then we also have a postcard that you'll get every month with a personal message from us and a bonus episode and as
0: far as the postcard goes Donnie makes very amazing designs and so this will be something that will be very beautiful that you can display that will be something pertaining to women in the arts whether it be something that we talked about that month the person that will cover whatever but trust me they'll be beautiful they, <laughs> and it would be you. worth it
1: <laughs> yeah it's definitely something you can add to your vision board and help mm-hmm. you focus on different people you learn about and um, totally also we are doing um a thing right now where if you mm-hmm. become a patreon within your first 30 days we'll send you a more than Amused pin mm-hmm. so that's definitely something to jump on and totally get right now for your first month
0: those pins are really cute i love mine yeah i wear it proudly they're so, so cute i'm
1: really happy with how they turned out so definitely too
0: so yeah check out our patreon you know just more than amuse patreon Mm -hmm. it's on our website here and it's also linked here in our show notes so you can check that out
1: yeah great and enjoy the episode okay then the question that i have for you today is um do you remember any like children's books from your childhood that you really love? Like specifically maybe an illustrated children's book.
0: Yes, I'm trying to think. Okay, I feel like the one classic one is like the, I don't even know what it's called, but the picture of it is a little boy with the watch that he's dropping into the toilet. And it's like, I'll always love you. Like, yeah, forever I think my that's baby, called, you'll always it? be. I don't know what it's called, but that one was adorable. Love you forever, by the way. That's what yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Love you forever. I never realized it's a boy dropping a watch in a toilet. <laughs> but you're so right. It totally <laughs> <Yeah>. is.
0: <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> that's funny. But that one was really cute. Another one. Okay. I don't think this is like a big one, but this is the one that I liked. So I just Googled it because I didn't know if I remembered it, but it's called Something is Not Quite Right. And it's kind of like one of those like find the mistake books where it would be like a fish was flying or a pencil was through the air. The teacup would have legs walking around. And it's like a little girl going throughout her day just being like, something just feels weird today. But then there's like all these things around her that are like, Weird like a man like sweeping underneath the grass and like just oh, anyways, man. it's a whole ill fun illustrations. And then at the end of the day she realizes that she was wearing mix matched socks. Oh, cute. and so she's like, There's what was wrong. <laughs> so I loved that book. That's I would read so that book alone. Man, I love that. I haven't read that. I remember the
1: Love You Forever one, Um, actually, Mm -hmm. because my piano teacher had it. So I would read when my brother was (laughs) (laughs) during his lesson. (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) Um, I, one of my favorites um, were actually, I need to do a whole episode on her. (laughs) But Jan Brett actually has these beautifully illustrated children's books that were usually more Christmas time ones but one oh of the th- I just googled like the mitten Mm-hmm. yes yeah yes the mitten and then she has a bunch of other ones too but we had one of her books that I think was like a collected work so it had like a bunch of them in and one of my favorite things that she did is she like framed all of her illustrations and then in the little pictures on either side it would be uh-huh. like um, a flashback to what had happened on the previous page and, like, a preview to what was going to happen on the next page in, like, the little side Ooh. illustrations. And then they were just, like, really intricately detailed, beautiful that's cool. Yes. So I loved those, especially around the winter time.
0: I also love Doctor Seuss. I oh, feel like that's yeah. very cliche, but I the first book I ever read was Green Eggs and Ham. So that's so cute. And I remember being like, I read an entire book by myself. Yeah. So no, I Green love Eggs that. and Ham. There's a little video. there's a video like home video of me somewhere proudly reading (laughs) and ham to my to my parents
1: that is so cute no i think that dr seuss has a very important role in childhood he really does like so many classics definitely there was one book that i loved it was like star catcher And it was a picture Mm. book about a girl trying to catch stars and, like, fishing them out of ponds and stuff. And I remember all the stars were, like, shiny, like they had gold Uh foil on the pages. Oh, that's cool. But I don't remember what the title was or anything.
0: We had a lot of dinosaur books growing up because my little brother was obsessed with dinosaurs. That's awesome. (laughs) And, you know, I'd read to him a lot. That would be, like, our bonding choice Mm. as children. And I don't remember. It was called, oh, yeah, it was called Dinosaur Romp. And it was, like, one of those, like, rhyming books. And it was, like, shake, shake, shudder near the sluggy old swamp. The dinosaurs are coming. Get ready to romp. And we <laughs> would always, like, I still know that. So lots of dinosaur oh my books. Gosh, that is
1: so Reading funny. the dinosaur romp together. Uh, that reminds me. Did you ever read the Philadelphia Chickens book? No. Oh I, what is that? <laughs> so philadelphia chickens and then there's another one called like rhinoceros tap i think but it was a book that came with a cd and it was these songs that like were just little funny quirky songs
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) and then you could put the cd in and then it would have like the lyrics and pictures in the book that you could Mm. read but these songs are so catchy and so funny (laughs) like to am, this day like my whole family Philadelphia chicken oh my gosh you need to my whole family still quotes like line from this book <laughs> and like sings different parts of it we owned both of them and
0: that's amazing yeah I would highly recommend Chickens. go well I think to I know what songs. I'm YouTubing after we record this
1: <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh I have to think the cows one is really funny and then um far away cookies is hilarious too but that's funny
0: yeah i feel like a lot of the children's like the books i remember though are like ones that like in elementary school like mm-hmm. the librarians mm-hmm. would read to us
1: yeah that makes i, I know, liked the berenstein bears oh a yeah lot. they were cute
0: also do you remember the the giving tree is that one yes of i do remember that one that one was cute or Alexander and
1: the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Oh,
0: yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: I remember that one, too. And or then the Rainbow Fish with oh, the scales. Oh, yeah. Scale. Uh,
0: that was a librarian mm. favorite. Yeah, that was a librarian favorite. <laughs> and it was cute. Very cute. No, I love
1: this. Yeah, children's books, I feel like, are very underrated. Yeah. Because, like you said, you kind of forget about them as you get older. Mm-hmm. and you remember like some of them are still very nice
0: charming stories yes
1: and i think it's really cute and they're very needed of course it's like the first books that you ever read
0: and i mean obviously they do leave a mark because i can still quote the dinosaur romp yeah so <laughs> i mean very i'm over magical. here singing philadelphia chickens so <laughs>
1: <laughs> obviously they're important but the reason I wanted to ask you this, um, it that's actually really fun that we talked about these. I want to go back through and see which ones are written by women for future episodes. But oh, yeah. the person that we're talking about today is most famous for her children's book, Peter Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I know who Peter Rabbit is. Yes, that's who we're talking about today is the author and illustrator of Peter Rabbit. And that's what she's known for the most but there's a lot more to her and she's extremely interesting <laughs> i was actually really surprised um her name is beatrix potter she was born in july 28th in 1866 in west mm-hmm. brompton london england so kind of her era would be the 19th century and because we've talked so much about the 19th century, it's a pretty yeah. common one. I'm not going to dive into it too much. If you want to hear more about the 19th century, I think our Halloween episode, we talked about it yeah. a ton. And then I think there was someone else that we talked about that was 19th century as well. But I could Maybe be Clara wrong. Maybe
0: Clara Schumann? That could have been. She was more early 19th yeah. century, though.
1: Yeah. But anyway, it's a pretty common era. I think we're going to be diving into it more moving forward, too. So I didn't feel the mm. need to like talk about it too much. Basically, um, briefly, like women were pretty um, discriminated against, but it wasn't as bad as previous era. So it was kind of the turn of the Mm -hmm. century where things were starting to get a little bit better. Um, Obviously, they were still expected to be like caretakers and um, mothers and not really pursue too much of a career. But Mm -hmm. there were a lot of like female authors and journalists that were coming forward. So it was a little bit more popular. For women to be in that field, in different fields, and Mm -hmm. have more of a career. So it wasn't like the craziest thing in the world. It, But it still wasn't super common, if that makes sense. So that's kind of her era. And kind of one of the interesting things about her is her family was extremely wealthy. They were very well off. So it kind of changed her childhood. A lot from what other people probably were experiencing at the time. Um, Her grandfather actually owned, at the time, what was the largest calico printing works in England. Mm. So he was printing calico fabric, I'm assuming. (laughs) Yeah. And he also served as a member of parliament. So he was a pretty important guy. And then her father, Rupert William Potter, was a barrister. And so he practiced law. And then, oh. um, so he was a lawyer, which has never been uh, an underpaid profession. <laughs> yes. And then he married her m- mother, Helen Leach, and both of her parents were actually artistically talented. Her father mm-hmm. was a; they called him an adept amateur photographer. So he really mm-hmm. liked to take photos, and also one of his hobbies was investing in the stock market, which, of course, ah. didn't make them any more poor. <laughs> they were just one of his casual hobbies. hobbies. Yeah. And then her mother was a talented painter. She did a lot oh, of, cool. like, painting and illustration, but just kind of as more of a a hobby. So they lived in this beautiful house. It was just Beatri- Beatrix and her brother, Walter Bertram, who was a little bit younger than her. And um, they lived there pretty much their entire childhood. Um, It said that she lived there until she got married. So it was quite a bit of time. And she got married later in life. So that's even more important that she was there for that long. But because of how wealthy they were, they weren't educated in schools like most other kids. They um, Mm -hmm. had private tutors and governesses.
0: Mm, Which is probably a better education for them. Yes,
1: but definitely more remote. Um, everything that I read, it said her parents were very overprotective and didn't really like them to play with a lot of other children. So they kind of were just to themselves a lot. Just kind of loner kids. Mm-hmm. But it kind of developed their interests in other ways. They ran throughout their whole countryside, that was where their house was built. And they would, like, collect animals and bugs and, like, Mm. just look at nature all of the time. They were both definitely obsessed with it. They actually, in their school room, they had a ton of pets. (laughs) They had mice, rabbits, a hedgehog, and some bats. And then even, like, butterflies and other insects. But the governesses kind of embraced it because the parents were cool with it, and they, like, would draw the animals and study them and, like, learn about <gasps> them as a part of their education, which oh. sounds really fun and charming.
0: <laughs> like watching the little
1: rabbits. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, learning about rabbits, and they're like, okay, now we're going to draw them. <laughs> like, that's so That's cute. amazing. Mm-hmm. And they said that Beatrix was especially devoted to the care of the small animals, and she would even take them with her when the family went on long holidays. So she would, that like, so bring cute. her little animals with her, um,
0: which is and really And I like that it was, like, mice and just, like, little animals. Yeah, especially, like, the kind of animals that maybe would be, like, a pest i know she's like no this is gonna be my little friend (laughs) this is my friend and he's coming on vacation with us (laughs) and they just rolled with it and then also beatrix
1: loved to observe and sketch plants in like botanical life and everything Mm -hmm. else out in the nature of their yard so they did that all the time um And that will play in later with another part of her that I think is very cool that we'll get to in just a second. Um, One other fun fact about her childhood is she had a very extensive journal, but it was written in code. And her code was her own. She invented a code and then wrote in her journal in code. And it was like a simple letter for letter substitution. So kind of like the basic ones that you do were A equals this, B equals this. And then, but she's still like... Very cool that she spent the time to, like, create and write her You'd own you have to be, code. like,
0: fluent in a whole other alphabet. hmm In order to <laughs> like... write in it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Very cool. And she also used it as a sketchbook and then a place to kind of write down different stories and stuff that she came up with in her brain.
0: That was always, like, my dream as a child to, like, come up with some type of, like, secret language that only I would get. I know. But I feel like I would start doing it and then, like, forget what it was later. <laughs> I never committed obviously like she did so I I could never get to the point where I could write in a
1: code like yeah fluently like that's crazy but yeah she did that for a really long time and of course now it's been like decoded Mm -hmm. and um looked through and everything but they said that she actually didn't record like a lot of her personal life like she wasn't saying like today I went and did this and tomorrow I did this it was more talking about like what was happening in the world around her which I thought was kind of cool Cool. so they said it's an invaluable source for understanding a vibrant part of British society which I thought was really interesting and um it also shows like her artistic and intellectual interests and then like insights on places she visited and then like different things she observed in nature so it was more like observations than like inner thoughts
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like that's super, like, invaluable, though, because if it's, like, what better way to, like, know about a time period than to, like, read it from the perspective of just somebody observing the world Mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool.
1: And kind of cool that she was like that as a child. Like, I think most kids when they start a journal are like, dear Tyree, today I ate ice cream and it was delicious and then I went to bed. But, like, instead she's making all these little observations and insights on like where she's going and what's happening and like the plants that she looked at and stuff like that just very cool. cool and then this kind of journal and her observations of nature led her to her obsession with mycology so mycology is the let me make sure i have the exact definition
0: i'm glad you're defining it because i was worried that this was something that i just had to know and i was like i don't know what that is
1: (laughs) i did not know what it was okay this is what i thought it was but i wanted to make sure mycology is the scientific study of fungi oh so like mushrooms and yeah other things they said that beatrix potter she was interested in every branch of national science save astrom- astronomy which i thought was funny like every single one
0: I feel like astronomy is the most interesting one yeah from my perspective <laughs> the stars but she had no interest
1: in that she was really really Weird. interested in botany which apparently mm. was like becoming very um popular during that time During the Victorian era, people were studying it a lot more. And so she kind of was along with that trend, I guess. But she would, like, collect fossils, study archaeological artifacts from London excavations. Like, because her parents would take her to a lot of museums, too. Uh And she was also interested in... I'm going to have to look this one up, too. (laughs) We're getting very scientific this episode. Entomology, which is... Um, studying insects. Oh, mm-hmm. so that's what she started drawing and painting in her journal all the time. Was different, like insects and fungus specifically. So she actually has a ton of fungi drawings and paintings of different mushrooms and stuff that she observed in her habitat that she was in. That's cool. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, and then what kind of deepened that interest as she met Charles McIntosh, who was mm-hmm. like an amateur mycologist and a revered naturalist. So he like studied fungus for a living, which mm-hmm. <laughs> did not know was a thing. Um, <laughs> but she met him and then he like looked through her illustrations and like talked to her about improving the accuracy of them, like how to make them better. And then, um, Talked to her about taxonomy and then um, even gave her some live specimens of, like, fungus to paint during the winter. So she began to, like, study how fungi reproduced and started drawing, like, pictures of fungus spores and even came up Mm. with her own new theory of germination of, like, how fungi was reproducing. Oh, wow. Yeah. She... Had some connections through her uncle, who was a chemist, and so she consulted with a bunch of botanists and eventually ended up coming up with her own theory of reproduction for um, fungi that wasn't symbiosis, which was the popular theory of the time, Mm -hmm. and she ended up writing a paper to submit to the Linnean Society, which was like a scientific society that would look through things and then I guess declare Mm -hmm. things true or not true (laughs) yeah I don't know how all of that works in the science world but she wrote a whole theory on the germination of spores in 1896 and submitted Mm -hmm. it to the society so she was smart smart very smart and that was kind of where her passion lied was in like fungi and science at that time Mm -hmm. um there's kind of some controversy on what happened with her paper to the society i read two very different stories so the more popular one that seems to be like around all the time was that she was rejected from the society because she was a female oh so um it said that the director of the society because of her sex and her amateur status um Mm. rejected her paper wouldn't let her attend And then she ended up withdrawing it because they weren't listening and went on with her life. There is another article I read that said that she wasn't rejected, that she wasn't allowed to read her paper because she was female. But they actually read through and her paper was well received. But then she withdrew it because she thought some of her samples had been corrupted so that maybe her theory wasn't correct. Mm. And then um, it never got resubmitted. So <laughs> don't know which one was accurate or not. Um, The paper is missing now. They've never been able to find it. So they don't know if she like got rid of it. Was right. Or, or what yeah. happened or anything. Um, They, for a long time, one of her journal entries that they translated from her code, they thought that she had come up with the theory of how fungi actually does produce way before anyone else did. But later they thought that maybe they mistranslated it and it wasn't that. So I don't know. (laughs) Kind of hard when someone writes in code and then (laughs) their paper gets lost. We don't know exactly if she discovered what they think she did or not. So that's kind of up to whatever anyone wants to believe. If you want to believe she was rejected based on sex, which would be pretty common at that time. Mm -hmm. that's fine if you want to believe that they listened to her anyway and then she withdrew it on her own and it got lost that's fine too like Mm -hmm. it's kind of up to deliberation but she went on to actually um produce over 350 illustrations of fungi
0: wow Mm -hmm. which she like
1: I said it was like her passion so she um painted and drew all these different species of fungi And a lot of her illustrations are still used today for helping people to identify different types of fungi. Wow. Which is very cool. And part of the appeal of what her drawings are is that Mm -hmm. she was illustrating them very precisely. But it was because she wasn't copying them out of a book of what someone else had drawn or photographed. She was Mm -hmm. illustrating what she saw herself in nature. So it made it a little bit more accurate. And yeah. more helpful for
0: what everyone needed. That's weird that the default was to copy it from a book like you would think yeah. that <laughs> like people would go and actually go look at that. the plant. but yeah. Maybe go find some I mushrooms. But
1: yeah, that was kind of her whole scientific illustration era, which was very cool. And um, I would highly recommend everyone to go look up some of her fungi drawings. They're really Mm -hmm. beautiful. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't mind framing some pictures of mushrooms in my house, actually. (laughs) They look really amazing. Um, Another note on that, in 1997, the Linnean Society issued a post humorous so she was already dead, apology to Potter for the sexism displayed in the handling of her research. I don't know if that was based on the rumors or based on, like, actual fact. Like I said, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a toss-up on what really happened with that whole thing.
0: Well, even if like it wasn't exactly the reason, I feel like it, it must have played at least some part in it where they did feel like they had to do that formal apology and everything. Mm -hmm. But it kind of like makes you wonder of like what, you know, if that maybe would have been more encouraged and if she would have been more invited in, like what contributions could have she made even beyond that? Because it sounds like she was just doing it on her own. Mm -hmm. Like she wasn't amateur, you know, it's like she Mm -hmm. went to school for it. So Man, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a fun side to her that I don't think a lot of people know because she's yeah. so famous for Peter Rabbit, most people don't know that she actually started out illustrating mushrooms. So, Yeah. In like and in an attempt
0: to like learn more about them. Mm-hmm.
1: And actually coming up with her own theories on like what was going on with them because mushrooms are weird. They're not yeah. <laughs> They're not normal. Like there's a lot I think that people are still figuring out about them. So, Kind of a cool, cool thing, but obviously that's not what she's well known for. Um, kind of where her her fame comes from is obviously the book Peter Rabbit, but it started out as letters. She really, really loved children's books growing up, and at that time it was a lot of like Aesop's Fables, um, Grimm's Fairy Tales, Hans Christian Andersen. Shakespeare, like that was kind of what kids read, and even like Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, of course. Um, but she even commented that she was a little bit more obsessed with the illustrations than what the stories were actually about with some of them, which I thought was very cute because I definitely have some books that I read purely for the pictures (laughs) instead of the stories, so I totally relate to that. But she started out. When she was little, she would, like, re-illustrate some of her favorite stories, Um, but she would make the characters in them her own pets, so her mice, her rabbits, her kittens, and her guinea pigs, which makes sense because they were drawing them in school and everything, and, like, if that's what you're looking at all day, she would, like, draw her little creatures in her stories, Uh and so in the 1890s, her and her brother actually started printing Christmas cards of their own design. And different cards for special occasions. And they used mice and rabbits as the subjects for them, which I think (laughs) is such a cute thing. Like a little Christmas card with mice and rabbits. With little mice
0: on it. Little Christmas mice.
1: (laughs) And then um, a couple of firms bought some of her drawings of her rabbit. She named the rabbit Benjamin Bunny at that time well that is mm. adorable little benjamin bunny yeah <laughs> and they used it to illustrate some different poems and stuff and then they bought a couple of her other um drawings to use for another thing and then she ended up selling some frog illustrations too which mm. sounds adorable as well oh that's another children's book i love frog and toad oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Frog and toad. yeah.
1: but um based on all of this because her illustrations were getting used so much for all these different things, she decided she was going to publish her own illustrated story.
0: We're going to take a quick break
1: just to spotlight
0: one of our new favorite women artists. The person that I want to spotlight today, her name is Jessica Hargwood. And you can, thats yeah, that's just her Instagram name, Jessica Hargwood. Um, and her Instagram bio it says a creative soul embracing color through art and fashion and she does like sculpt and she's been sculpting paint since 2016 what so yeah so not that like she's been doing it super recently but her work is so amazing and creative like I want one it's like what she- I don't really know exactly what it is but it like incorporates like paint and like sculpting little tiny flowers that she'll put on a canvas yeah I think from what I can tell this is just a guess and of course she's
1: taking paint and letting it dry on probably like mm. wax paper or something and then literally sculpting it that's way cool and it's probably and it's acrylic. cool because
0: it's like 3d painting kind yeah, of yeah
1: it's really really cool I've never seen
0: someone do this kind of technique before with acrylic paint yeah this is insane it's so beautiful. Like, I want one. Like, I can't wait till I own a home one day so I can get a paint, like, a statement piece for my kitchen or living room. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's it's really amazing. I discovered her because I follow Color Me Courtney. Oh. And I think we shouted her out on a previous episode. And um, she shared something not that long ago so I started following her and I was like holy cow this is insane and she only has like a thousand followers on Instagram which is just insane to me because like when I went to her work I was like oh this lady's not that, like, the amount of followers is any testament to how well we do or how, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, like, this is beautiful and it's amazing. And I feel like she definitely deserves a lot of credit. So oh go God. check her out. Again, it's Jessica Hardwood.
1: Guys, I cannot say enough. You've got to at least go look at these. This yeah, is just go <laughs> look. Insane. It's, it's, like you said, it's so unique. I've never seen anything like it. So. She has some that's like braided. So I think Mm. she did, like, strips of acrylic and then, like, braided them and then wove them together on the canvas. This is crazy. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Yeah, so check her out. Oh, hey, there you go. You can send her a a message, and she does commissions. So then you're guaranteed one.
0: I don't know how much it would be, but (laughs) eventually you can get a commission. I love these. Okay, well, anyways, yep, very obsessed with her work. Go give her a shout out. I think she's yeah what she does is amazing
1: okay i have one
0: her name is brie
1: and then i'm gonna say her last name wrong so gawk i'm gonna spell it just spell it. it's b-r-i that's her first name and then g-a-w-k-o-s-k-i Gokoski, i think yeah pretty sure she is a collage artist
0: which is really cool
1: um she actually does a very different kind of style of collage which i really love she does dot collages so she'll take little dots from different like vintage magazines and create like these little grid that's cool collages out of them i think it's awesome and plus her instagram is just like so aesthetic. It really <laughs> is. This is awesome. yeah. But one of the reasons I'm recommending her, I always keep forgetting to mention her because even though she is an artist and she posts a lot of art stuff, she also does a lot of like thrifting and estate sale hauls and a bunch of different things like that, which is just really cool and fun. So I think she's just a fun person to follow. And her yeah, life literally looks so aesthetic. Like you could take all of her pictures <laughs> and like, put it in a magazine so yeah she does that she also does a lot of like self portraits and like dabbles in photography um and she has an etsy shop as Mm -hmm. well where she sells a lot of like her collage pieces she used to do custom dot collages but she doesn't have time right now to do that um Mm -hmm. but when she does start that up again those are really cool so you like tell her about a person and then she like creates a little dot collage for them and sends it so yeah Very cool. Highly recommend. I enjoy, like, all of her content. So, I just gave her a follow. Awesome. Yeah, and (laughs) this is a little (laughs) message and confession. I have been super bad about posting our artist spotlights. So, I'm sorry (laughs) if you guys have been waiting for someone and I haven't put them in our... our bio end of school just like got to me and then the holiday season as well
0: oh it's so i am Very going
1: good. to like catch up and we'll get better at these but if i <laughs> don't have them on our instagram highlight or anything else we're always following them yes um, so you can
0: look through our followers yeah
1: and then definitely like just come back to the episodes and listen to the clips and we usually mm-hmm. spell them out and give you the handle to go and find
0: them so totally sorry guys yes well (laughs) (laughs) go check out those artists they're both very very unique but it's okay we forgive you (laughs) thanks all right now back to the show Mm -hmm. and
1: this was kind of inspired by the fact that whenever she went on a holiday to like a different place she would send letters to young friends and most of the time it was one of her governesses her favorite governess she had three growing up But one of her favorites, she was only three years older than her at the time, which makes sense why it was her favorite. Um, They just got along really well. But she had some children at the time. And so um, Potter would write letters to these children and Mm -hmm. like tell them stories and illustrate them.
0: Wow, that's cool.
1: Yeah. So her governess's oldest son, Noel, was really ill at the time. And so in 1893, while she was gone, she'd run out of things to talk about with him. And so she mm-hmm. decided to tell him a little story. So she said, I'm going to tell you a little story about four little rabbits whose names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cotton Cottontail, and Peter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that was the beginning of one of the a most Peter famous Rabbit. children's letters. Yeah. And it was like the basis for her whole future career. So That's in- so cool yeah like super cute of course her governess her former governess was like you really need to do something with this like this is fantastic Mm -hmm. and so she ended up revising her little tale about the four little rabbits and made her own little dummy book out of it so she like Mm -hmm. glued in her illustrations and put the text in in order to like make it look like an actual book yeah but she couldn't find a buyer for the work (laughs) it got rejected by like numerous publications and like no one was interested in it it was just in black and white at the time but a friend had read it and saw a ton of faith in it and recast it in di dyadic verse is what it's called i think they tried to make it into like kind of poetry more okay and that like popularized it a little bit and then a publishing company came forward and they were like oh, actually, we'll reconsider and we'll accept your little bunny book. And that's what they called it, a bunny book. (laughs) And um, they asked her to actually use her original prose, so her original Mm. instead of the poem. And then they just wanted her to color in her pen and ink illustrations to add some color to the little children's book. And so on October 2nd of 1902, The Tale of Peter Rabbit was published. Wow. Yeah. And it was an immediate success. Like, people loved it. And um, the year later, she wrote another one called The Tale of Squirrel Nutkin and another The Tailor of Gloucester, which I'm probably saying wrong. And then um, these were all based on picture letters that she had written to the children of her governess. So all of these were coming from that. And then she ended up publishing 23 books in all with that publisher. And the last one was a little collection of nursery rhymes and um, a couple of others. So... They all had little creatures in them. They're all about little animals and, like, different Mm -hmm. tales and adventures of them. They're very cute, which is just adorable. (laughs) That is adorable. Yeah. And part of what they loved about her books and why they were so popular is not only, like, the illustrations, which everyone loved, but the fact that the books didn't have a moral lesson. Um, (laughs) interesting which was so common in children's books at that time like I talked about Aesop's fables and different things like that Um, pretty much every tale that children read was like teaching them a moral principle yeah and part of the like appeal of her books is that they were just stories like they were just imaginative Mm -hmm. stories with beautiful illustrations and like wonderful pictures of the countryside and plants and little creatures that were just fun like it wasn't trying to like teach everyone something it was just fun it was just a cute.
0: nice fun story yeah That's cool.
1: I think probably we could say that it helped start a trend of stories that are just kind of more fun and imaginative today mm-hmm. rather than um being stuck having to learn a moral principle with every book that you ever read <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> another part of her um a career was that she was a very canny businesswoman and in yeah. 1903 she made and patented a peter rabbit doll and oh. um it ended up creating a bunch of other spin off merchandise so there was like painting books board games wallpaper figurines baby blankets china tea That's sets peter the rabbit yeah on everything And of all of her other little creatures. And it was all licensed by her publisher. And she got an independent income from it as well. So she was getting profits off of everything that was being produced.
0: Which is incredible. So she was, yeah, very smart. Yes. And I think it's also smart too. Like it was published in 1902 and 1903. She's like, nope, we're we're making sure I own the rights to this. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to own this character and we are going to profit off of it.
1: (laughs) And of course. Yeah. And it was really popular. Kind of a sad little story in the midst of all of this. In 1905, um, she fell in love with Norman Wayne Warren, Norman Warren, and the publishing company that she was working with was Frederick Warren and Co. So it was actually mm. the third son of her publisher. So he was the third oldest of their publisher that was publishing mm-hmm. her book, and they fell in love and got unofficially engaged. They couldn't get her father's blessing. Oh. Yeah, her dad completely rejected to the match because um Warren was in trade, so he like had a job, I guess. <laughs> Which at that I time that. was like not socially suitable because they were all wealthy and they just like lived off of their wealth. So him like having
0: a trades job was just like not allowed. But like I feel like if her their like his dad was a publisher and owned a publishing company, it's not like I'm, they and, weren't, and like poor. that publish, yeah. Like it's not like that's a poor situation, especially no. if that publishing house was publishing these books that were so successful. Even yeah. if he didn't like work for the publishing house, like I can imagine he would have been set. You know, yep. like they weren't poor.
1: <laughs> it was a very well-off family, but her parents Dang. wouldn't accept. um Sadly, though, this is what makes it even more tragic. Their engagement, even though it was unofficial, it only lasted for one month because Warren died <gasps> of a per- oh. pernicious anemia, which is basically, I had to look it up, it's a blood disease where your body can't absorb enough nutrients, so it just, like, your body just stops getting what it needs, and so he ended up dying at age 37. That's so sad. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they're in love, they get engaged, her parents object, and then only a month later he dies because they were just going to get married anyway
0: but that's what i was going to say i was like mad that she would not marry him for that reason but it sounds like she would have
1: they didn't have long enough which is so so sad and kind of this is where she ended up retreating from society a little bit um Mm -hmm. in that same year where he passed away uh she used some of her income and then a small inheritance that she had gotten from her aunt and she bought hilltop farm and it's in like the English Lake District and it's beautiful she um it's recorded saying that Potter and Warren may have hoped that Hilltop Farm would be their holiday home so they were gonna like go there and live there and it would be like their vacation house but she went ahead and bought it anyway after he passed away and that's kind of where she continued her life she wrote more stories there uh she ended up starting a farm um, on her own the farmer that had been there before after before she bought it they agreed to stay on and help manage the farm and help her mm. so that she could learn how to learn the techniques and different things of like how to actually yeah. manage a farm but she had pigs cows and chickens and then the following year she added sheep Aww. Yeah. And this kind of became like a new chapter for her. Her life kind of is in chapters. It's like she studied mushrooms and then she wrote books and then she started a farm. And her farm actually became very widely known and respected. Um, She ended up buying more, too, and managing even more. She became friends with her neighbor across the road and... He ended up marrying her in 1912. And (laughs) her parents objected again, obviously. Um, Well. She got married anyway. (laughs) I don't trust what they have to say. Yeah. They disapproved because he was a country solicitor, whatever that is. And um, they got married anyway and then moved in, I think, It was in the same area as the farm that she had bought. So kind of where Mm -hmm. they had both been. But their home was called Castle Cottage, which is such a cute little name. Castle Cottage. I like that. And then um, her little house at Hilltop um, was her private studio that she had too. So she kind of kept all of her properties and then continued on with her life. Um, she wrote a few other stories there's one the tale of jemima Puddle duck and the tale of tom kitten and they said that both of those probably came from her farming life and like her Mm -hmm. country life and everything there and then like i said she became very well known for her sheep farming she became very interested in breeding and raising herdwook sheep which Hmm. was like an indigenous sheep But (laughs) she brought this herd of Herdwick sheep and had thousands of it and was admired by all of the farm managers for being Mm -hmm. willing to like continue to raise these sheep. And she also would experiment with like the newest and greatest biological remedies for diseases of sheep. So she would try Mm. out like new methods of like helping sheep with problems I feel like this lady's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> and then they actually said by the late 1920s, um, they had a prize-winning Herdwick flock, which took wow. a lot of prizes at the local agriculture shows. Sometimes she would even serve as a judge at the agriculture shows to, like, judge mm-hmm. the best sheep. And in 1942, she became the president-elect of the Herdwick Sheep Breeders Association. And she was actually the first... Woman to ever have been elected for the Herdbook Sheep Breeders Association, but she passed away before she was able to take office. oh which is very sad. At the time of her death, she owned fourteen farms and four thousand acres of land. Fourteen? Uh-huh. That's that is so <laughs> many farms. Yeah. Um. One of the other things that she was really well known for is she helped with the Lake District conservation. Um. She was a huge advocate for keeping the land the land that she was living on like preserved and restored and that's part of her interest in the hard work sheep that was the indigenous farm was to make sure that they stayed alive and thriving Mm. and didn't die off um and that's also why she bought a lot of those farms was because she wanted to make sure that the land stayed like pure and Mm. preserved
0: so she's like i'm buying it so i can take care of it
1: yeah And um, she's, like, looked at as one of the main reasons why the, lake district still exists the way that it does, which is really nice. Oh, so her and her husband stayed married for 30 years, and Mm -hmm. I think up until her death, so it was a happy marriage of 30 years. um, They worked mainly together on farming and preservation efforts. They did not have any kids, but they said that she played a very important role in his large family. So she helped educate a lot of nieces and gave a lot of comfort and aid to her husband's brothers and sisters. So she played a very important role in their lives, even though they didn't have any kids of her own. Um, she ended up dying of complications from pneumonia and heart disease.
0: Mm.
1: On December 22nd, 1943, and was cremated, which I thought was interesting because I didn't think it was very popular at that time. And something kind of interesting because she didn't have any kids, she actually left over 4,000 acres of land, 16 farms, cottages, and herds of the cattle and Herdwick sheep to the National Trust. Wow. So she didn't keep any of it. And I don't think her husband got any of it either. Uh, Yeah. At the time, it was the largest gift ever given to the National Trust. And that's also part of the reason why she was so known for like district conservation Mm. because she like gave all of it over after her death and um they continued to keep it and carry on her legacy yeah
0: that's really cool Mm -hmm.
1: so some things now of course her legacy continues her books are still well known I know that I read a few of her stories growing up I'm sure most people have I knew exactly who Peter Rabbit was yes exactly um and then also an asteroid was named in her memory wow in 2017 there's an An asteroid asteroid. yes named beatrix potter all one word cool i guess you have to have one word if you're gonna name an asteroid i don't know Good to know. Yeah, if you ever want to name one. If I ever want to name an asteroid, (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. It has to be Sadie Anderson, all one word. Sadie Anderson. In 1971, a ballet film was released based on the tales of Beatrix Potter, which is very cool and has a lot of her characters in costume, and it says it's been performed all over the world. In 1982, the BBC produced The Tale of Beatrix Potter, and it was a dramatization of her life. And it had, like, the world of Peter Rabbit and Friends and all that stuff as well. In 1993, there is also a film called Beatrix Potter, Artist, Storyteller, and Countrywoman um, that is produced. And in 2006, there was a movie called Miss Potter, which was a biographical film of her life. So I want to watch that now. Yeah, a bunch of stuff's been made about her. I think there was a new animated Peter Rabbit that just came out super recently, too.
0: There's a Peter Rabbit 2 that's coming out in 2021. Wow.
1: Yeah. And of course, it looks adorable. It's like it has it's totally based off of her illustrations. The little rabbit with the blue jacket. Very cute. Of course.
0: Very cute. (laughs) Yeah. So you can definitely go watch that. Cute little children's movie about Peter
1: Rabbit. Yeah. Which is so cute. And then something cool that I found out about that I had no idea existed is there is a Beatrix Potter Museum. Oh, cool. It's called The World of Beatrix Potter. And it is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. There's little setups of like Uh little creatures doing things from her books. Well, that's very cute. And you can actually like go and sit with them and like take pictures with them. But they look so cute. Like you can go sit in a little living room with a hedgehog doing laundry and it's wearing, like, a little apron and drying socks above the fireplace. And you can go sit on a stool next to the hedgehog. That is very nice. Yeah. Like, it looks like the cutest little place in the whole wide world. There's, like, little pigs with knapsacks walking along a road. It literally looks so adorable. Wow. So, yeah. If anyone's going
0: to London anytime soon. I feel like if I ever make it across the big pond, yep, yeah. I'm going to go to... Beatrix Potter's little house or little museum. I know. And if you
1: can't go, then at least look at pictures because this seriously is so cute. There's like a little pond with frogs wearing like coats. <laughs> like, that is very cute. Yeah, I think I have, like a new obsession with
0: little animals wearing clothes. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> or like the little rabbits gardening. I think I've talked about my new obsession with pet animals. Um, bunnies on this podcast I can't remember but now I really want I'm I want to name a bunny Benjamin Bunny I feel like that is a very cute name you should for a little bunny (laughs) I think it's adorable we have a pet rabbit that we love that we also (laughs) stole from my little sister for context
1: it's very cute it's our
0: little friend anyways
1: so yeah that's Beatrix Potter um her house is actually still well her childhood home got bombed in world war one of the world wars but Mm -hmm. then where they rebuilt it they put a schoolhouse there and there's a sign that says like the
0: former location of Mm -hmm. their home so yeah what I like about her life and I think so cool is that like the way that all these different passions connected Mm -hmm. right because like she was obsessed with Fungi and like learning about science and like wanted to get published and she drew all those pictures and then she was a children's book author and then she was a farmer. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes I want to be so dialed in of like, no, my purpose is this. I'm a singer songwriter and I'm not going to let anything distract me. But I feel like the fact that she was just like doing, you know, like, like you said, like there's just chapters of her life where she was doing different things that she was interested in, but that even though they all seem so separated it sounds like they all ended up connecting which i think is really cool
1: no i think it's so cool to see like she loved animals as a kid and so she made Mm -hmm. up stories and drew pictures and then she really liked mushrooms and then that ended up being children's books and then she raised sheep and that integrated into her children's books like it Mm -hmm. definitely yeah it does exactly what you said it helps you realize that there's multiple different ways to approach your life and you don't have to be like a single faceted person like you can be very multifaceted and allow different things and passions to overtake you at different times Mm -hmm. and roll with them
0: exactly and also too like I think the fact that she did do that it made her art better you know like it made her better able to do it And she was successful in everything she did. I know. (laughs) That's quite impressive. (laughs) She wants to study mushrooms,
1: comes up with new theories about fungi, (laughs) submits a paper, wants to do children's books, ends up being one of the most beloved children's authors of all time, wants to raise sheep, wins a bunch of awards, ends up being a judge for sheep farming. Like, what? Very impressive. Yeah, just crazy and very cool that she was able Mm -hmm. to kind of just – take on different things and approach different things with the same enthusiasm. Yeah.
0: Very fascinating lady. Yeah. I want to go watch one of those movies about her.
1: I know. I was like, wow, there's a lot.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel like that's so impressive. But
1: yeah. And I realized there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, you didn't know about Beatrix Potter. How did you not know about her? And I think that might happen quite a bit throughout the podcast. But I think the cool part is, is that sometimes we're going to cover people that you know and love. Sometimes yes. we're going to cover people that you've never heard about and then it can like all blend together and then everyone yeah. will just know more women artists and their accomplishments.
0: And I also think too, though, is even if we d- we know we don't know the artists, a lot of the time we do know the art, mm-hmm. you know, like if you would have asked me before, like who wrote Peter Rabbit? I'd be like, I don't know, but I know that Peter Rabbit is a little bunny in a blue jacket, Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think it's cool to be able to like match the art with the artist and then also like hear more about their life because like yeah wow like what Mm -hmm. an interesting life
1: it was kind of cool
0: how I ran across her too
1: um obviously I have a lot of pins saved on Pinterest of different things that I eventually want to talk about so I get recommended stuff sometimes yeah and honestly the first thing I saw was like there was these beautiful pictures of like fungi (laughs) just beautiful illustrations of fungi and then I read the text and it was talking about how um she had been rejected from the society for her paper and then ended up writing peter rabbit and i went what (laughs) like how do you go from illustrating mushrooms to drawing a children's book about a little bunny (laughs) (laughs) how does that happen yeah so yeah amazing so i think it's just cool that there's so many people out there that we can learn about and Mm -hmm. they have like all these different live events that we don't even know anything about
0: Learn about and learn from. Definitely. Well, thank you for introducing me to the world of Beatrix Potter. Of
1: course. Happy to.
0: So, thank you everyone for tuning in to More Than Amuse this week. I hope that you're excited for the new year, for what we will have to offer. We're very excited for this. Yeah, these next upcoming episodes in this next upcoming year with you guys as per usual if you want to rate and subscribe and follow us on instagram or on patreon join our patreon there's so many great ways that you can help but regardless we're just happy you're here and you're happy that you're listening
1: yes we are so we'll be here again next week thanks for listening bye Bye. see you next week (laughs) bye